Welcome to Medicine for the Melanated and Misguided, your place to talk through all things mental health. It's your girls, Dr. Burns. And Ray Scotty. Thank you for welcoming our voices into your space. Last month, we talked about dating and relationship expectations. And this month's topic addresses issues that many of us have lingering from within. We are going to be discussing. <laughs> I tried to hold it in. Please <laughs> go back. <laughs> okay, let me start over. Last month, we talked about dating and relationship expectations. This addresses issues that many of us have lingering from within. We're discussing insecurities, those feelings of uncertainty or anxiety that one may have about themselves, that lack of confidence, feeling of not being good enough. So are you a perfectionist? Do you find yourself changing your personality depending on the group of people you're with? Do you fear rejection and abandonment? Do you often find yourself self-sabotaging? Do you hide the broken parts of who you are from others? This may be the episode for you. Those were some good questions. So let's take that and go into our discussion portion of our episode. And the first question that I have is, can you have insecurities and still be happy? I'm going to say absolutely. Mm -hmm. Most insecurities are specific they're in a specific area we'll talk about some that are coming in our next question but most of them are very specific so in other areas you may be happy in general but unhappy or uncertain or lack that confidence in that very specific area Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna say yes you can have insecurities and you can have multiple insecurities and still be happy what are your thoughts yeah i agree um an insecurity is something you know as we said we're going to talk about it more throughout the rest of our discussion but it doesn't mean that you can't be happy if you have one because everyone on this earth has an insecurity multiple insecurities um so it's still possible to be happy absolutely and still have something that you're insecure about Yeah, our our next question, as I mentioned, goes more into that. So our next question is, what are some types of insecurities or what insecurities are most common? Hmm. So recently at my job, um, we started adding to um, some of our patients' charts, um, things like food insecurity, and things like transportation insecurity. So those are types of things that I would think are maybe some people don't necessarily think about or use those terms to define it um, or housing insecurity. So insecurity can be applied to many different things throughout our lives, including um, down to relationships, food, weight, our body, um, our when we talk, when we speak, anything you can think of, you can have a, an insecurity about. When you say 
food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Can you explain? Some of our listeners may not know what a food insecurity is. Yes. So food insecurity is going to be um, someone that may not be able to provide food for themselves or their family. They may need assistance, whether that looks like stamps, whether it looks like um, going to a pantry, um, a kitchen that provides you with food. So someone that is not able to feed themselves on a regular basis and needs assistance. Same thing with transportation. Someone that's without a car that may not have access always to the train or the bus or Uber um, and housing as well. Someone that is experiencing homelessness that may couch surf, go from home to home, um, that may not have a concrete place to go at the end of the day to lay their head. So those are common, very common insecurities that many people do not think about, but it's something that can be, all of those, something that can cause a lot of stress. Absolutely. Some other types of insecurities that I think of and that most people probably think of, you mentioned relationship, you mentioned weight, but also job insecurities. Yes. And financial insecurities. Sometimes social insecurities as well. So with the job, it may be that you're unsure if you have a job that you're going to keep that job. Mm-hmm. For some people, they may be nervous that others around them are getting laid off or the requirements for the job have been steadily increasing and you, you don't believe you're qualified enough. Right. So that creates job insecurities for some people and then financial insecurities can become can stem from a wide range of sources. But that yeah. social insecurity as well can stem from a wide range of sources too. Have you ever experienced job insecurity? For job insecurity, I would say not in the means of fearing that I would lose a job because of like downsizing or anything. Mm-hmm. I would say more so about job security when securing a job like after graduation. Right, yeah. So graduating and not being sure that I would find something in my field more so than anything. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I think that I have, I'll say that I have experienced job security, but I also think of something different when I think of job security. But I'll go into that when we go to our next question that we have. Um, My very first job working in the field of counseling was based on a SAMHSA grant. Mm -hmm. And so the grants, there were two grants through the agency. One was a three-year grant, one was a five-year grant. And so at the end of the the grant, you either got the grant renewed or you didn't get it renewed and people lost their jobs. Right. um, That was something that I had never experienced before. I'd never heard of. I was like, what do you mean? Like I knew going into the job that it was grant, it was based on a grant. And Mm -hmm. so I was prepared for that. But then when those three years, you know, rolled around, I was kind of like, thankfully I didn't lose my job. 
Um, but that is something that that did uh, that I experienced. And then our next question, why I say this may relate, is about imposter syndrome. And when I think of job insecurity, I think about maybe someone that experiences insecurity about being able to perform at a certain level at that job and is insecure about being able to maintain that position um, depending on what the standards are for the position. So the question is, is imposter syndrome related to having an insecurity? I would say many times, yes. Mm-hmm. And I say this when you were um, describing imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So in my um, previous employment or different, many different places of employment, I've worked with students with intellectual disabilities. Uh-huh. And in the employment aspect, I do employment training or vocational training for those students. And many of them have went through years of training and once they're hired or once they go for an interview or are in front of the person mm-hmm. for a career fair or a networking event, many of them, even after years of learning, shut down immediately. And I'm there experiencing it with them. And I'm like, you've trained for this. We, right. do, mock, <laughs> we do mock interviews all the time. Mm-hmm. You've had about six different internships throughout those three years mm-hmm. in this. So you have the experience, but for them, they feel like when they're around other people that have graduated with their bachelors, that they don't belong there. Yeah. Even after all that training and after all the extra additional education mm-hmm. that others may not even receive, they still feel like they don't belong there. Yeah. So some of that, a lot of that, and I've talked to many of them about it, is some of that lacking confidence in the skills that they've gained and in communicating those skills to uh, an atypical person. Yeah. I think that in in field that I'm in, in going through clinical counseling, um, I personally experienced imposter syndrome. I work with a lot of people that experienced imposter syndrome. I've became aware of a lot of people in the education and higher education that experienced imposter syndrome. Um, and a lot of people that I work with also experienced imposter syndrome. I think it's more common than a lot of people think about mm-hmm. um, or talk about. And I think that it really is an insecurity because like you said, with, with some of your students, they have the training, they, they have been prepared. Um, but yet, and still you'll st- you're still be sitting there and wonder, am I good enough to do this job? Am I capable of doing this job? Um, do I have the tools to do what I need to do X, Y, Z. So yeah, I do think it can be an insecurity depending on, whatever the the situation is whether it's uh vocational whether it's educational um anything like that i think imposter syndrome impacts a lot of people and they may not recognize it as an insecurity but it's something that us in the black community may need to talk about a little bit more certainly and i'm just thinking as you um were talking 
about some who may feel and as an imposter as an adult even Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they've gone and they've grown up they're living on their own they're working but they still feel like they're not an adult yeah from some that may stem from some deep issues with growing up in their background but for Mm -hmm. others it is that lack of inner self-confidence yeah and your ability to make you know adult decisions yep so our next question is what is the difference between low Mm self-esteem and insecurity Mm. that's a good question that's a really good question and if I think about it, I think that low self-esteem and insecurities or having an insecurity similar. So mm-hmm. if, you compare, if you compare the two, there will be lots of things that you can see on both sides. And if I try to distinguish the two, I would say low self-esteem is something that you may experience as a whole, as a person, like lacking Mm -hmm. confidence, lacking self-worth, lacking self-efficacy versus insecurity. I feel like that can be broken down into, into categories. So someone may be insecure about their education. They may only have you know um, a high school diploma but a lot of their friends went to college that could be an insecurity Mm -hmm. as a person may have you know confidence they may have you know charisma they may be able to hold a good conversation they've traveled um, they are proud of their body um, things like that so I think low self-esteem is something that is for the whole person Mm-hmm. And insecurity can be broken down into different categories. Just because you have an insecurity about something does not mean that you have low self-esteem. What are your thoughts? Same. And I'm going to connect it back to that first question. So I think with low self-esteem, it's harder to be happy and have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. It's harder to remain happy overall and have low self-esteem. Mm. It's more of a negative perception about yourself, about things that's going on around you. For insecurity, like you said, it's more specific. Mm-hmm. So the happiness that we mentioned earlier still can be there. Um, insecurity is more of a fluctuating thing as low self-esteem is more steady. Right. So with insecurity, um, you're looking at the maybe the negative in that specific area or doubting even though you have the skills or the ability in that specific area. But with low self-esteem, you are even denying some of those skills or good qualities that you have so that's again the difference you can more so be happy with insecurities Mm -hmm. than if you have low self-esteem right 
Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. And so, this next question is something that I think is in in, in our community, um, and it's about how insecurities can be passed down to children, and how do we prevent that? Because I do think that insecurities can be passed down, you know, in regards to our genetic makeup, like our noses, our lips, our hair, our body size, shoulders. Um, Kids tend to compare themselves to others a lot, being in school. Adults do too. Um, So how do we, and is it possible? Speaking from a personal experience, I would think my biggest insecurity was financial stability. Mm-hmm. So I watched as my parents, my grandparents, other family members struggled with their finances growing up. Um, part of it being um, connected to education, part of it being just general job security connected with that. Yeah. But the other part is having children in the space for adult conversations. Uh-huh. So allowing children to hear part of a conversation and not teaching them the specifics. So for an example with finances, many times I was a nosy child. So I overheard my parents talking about things. Mm-hmm. Whether I was in the room or not and not having them specifically sit down and teach me about finances yeah, or teach me about what they've learned not to do or to do with finances. So part of it is helping and improving yourself within and then passing along those lessons that you've learned or the experiences that you've had. So not just with like financial security, that example I gave, but with like body images as well. So sharing your experiences that you may have, those personal insecurities um, could be helpful as well. Sharing the things that you learned. I agree with you. Um, I was going to say, being that I worked um, for a long time in the eating disorder world of counseling, Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot about how body image, our genetic makeup, um, can influence the generation below us. So I don't have kids, but I've noticed that a lot of children grow up learning from their parents, learning how to relate to them from themselves to other people mm-hmm. that they look. And so I'm, I've become aware of how parents, mothers, fathers, um, individuals can speak about their bodies talk about I don't like this I don't like my hips I have too much weight on me I need to lose some weight my nose is too big my hair is too um coily I don't like it kids will then start to look at themselves and say hey I look like my mom I look like Mm -hmm. my if they don't like themselves if they don't like that part of themselves I don't like that either and they can start to tear that part of themselves down as well so it's, I think it's super important to watch how you speak around impressionable minds mm-hmm. because they will start saying those same things. I've worked with so many people 
that have generational eating disorders. My mom had one. My my grandmama had one. My little sister has one. My whole, all of my siblings have an eating disorder because of the way that people talk about their bodies and listening to their parents or loved ones speak about their own body. And the kid begins to internalize that. I look just like my dad. I got shoulders like him. What am I supposed to do? You can't change your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So I think even if you are in a place where you don't really can or if you can't find something that you appreciate about your body reserve those conversations where you talk about yourself where you until you are alone versus saying those things kind of like what you mentioned burns about where kids shouldn't be hearing adult conversations at least don't have that type of conversation in front of the child because after a while they're going to start applying those same concepts to themselves and that can be a lonely place growing up absolutely even if that conversation that you're having is about someone else like the other parent yeah if you're talking about their father or their mother and they look similar to their father and mother they can take that personal as well Mm mm-hmm even down to their aunties and uncles. So many people tell me I look just like my my nieces or my nieces look just like me. Um, you, ha- you have to be careful about how you talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to some very serious mental health issues. So our next question, how does depression and or anxiety play a role in feeling insecure? I definitely see that depression and anxiety um, can play a role in feeling insecure. I think that they can feed each other. So depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety can lead to developing insecurities. And I feel that insecurities can lead to developing um, anxiety and depression. Um, So it, it can be a cycle. It just depends on what it is that you're feeling insecure about. If you're feeling insecure about your job or financial insecurity or housing insecurity or about your body, your body image, um, all of those things can cause depression or anxiety, whether it's temporary or something that's pretty persistent um, or vice versa. So I definitely see a connection between the two. And that's the reason when I was working in community mental health that I felt it very important that all things were worked on at the same time. So I worked as a case manager and I've worked in the therapist position. Mm -hmm. So I found it very important that if my clients lacked resources such as housing or had that food insecurity, that along with the treatment they were getting for their depression and anxiety, that that case management came along as well so that they can't could get rid of those um, insecurities or help to treat those food and housing and job insecurities as well. Right. So treating both of those at the same time is the best method to not only kind of figure out which one is causing the other, but to um, little both of those or to render both of those. So in terms of anxiety and depression and thinking about how it can influence insecurity or how insecurities can influence anxiety and depression let's talk about social media um 
do you feel that social media can have an impact on our insecurities or can lead to the development of an insecurity? I also think it can um, definitely be, in a, be a factor in developing an insecurity and influence insecurities because, as you mentioned, you only see oftentimes the good things that people post, but you don't mm-hmm. ever see you know, the 30 pictures that someone took to get that one perfect picture before they posted it. Um, You don't see anything behind the scenes. Um, I also think those arguments that people have in their relationship, then they post the great picture together. Exactly. You don't see those things. And it, it has a way of, like, obviously we know that everything isn't always, you know, peachy with people. But social media has a way of kind of blinding us to that sometimes because those insecurities develop. They're there, wide open. Um, And you would think that a lot of people would be able to see that. But the more and more that I work as a clinician, I see that social media is a huge factor in people feeling insecure about their the clothing, their hairstyles, um, their jobs, finances, all types of things. And um, it, it, especially with kids, it, it's gotten out of hand with children, just being at a certain age, again, very impressionable on social media, comparing themselves to other people, what they do or don't have, it can definitely lead to some insecurities and those insecurities may or may not, but most often do turn into some type of anxiety um, or depression, not feeling good enough, so forth and so on. So I think social media is a huge influence, um, especially in terms of like body image with celebrities and how a lot of people have had surgeries and um, plastic, you know, plastic surgery makeovers. You can only do so much with makeup, right? You mm-hmm. can only do so much with with filters, um, and so yeah, I, I I guess I'm running on, but it does uh, influence insecurities for sure. So we're talking about social media and. A majority of the people that I follow on social media mm-hmm. are African American, both women and men. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest insecurity for African American women? We'll start there first. Ooh, African American women. Mm-hmm. There's so many and so many different categories. We can start at like relationships. I feel like a lot of African American women. Um, have this thing where they won't post the man until they until something has happened where mm-hmm. they feel comfortable posting him because they don't want anyone to talk about them or they don't want to look stupid um, from posting someone too early I think that a lot of African American women have job insecurity too in the terms of imposter syndrome um, where they are surrounded with people that may not look like them and they feel that they have to produce or perform at a certain level um, in order to be recognized. I also feel like there are some insecurities with African-American women. A lot of my friends um, 
experience I don't even know what to call this but when we don't have our our hair done it's like the world has ended we're not going nowhere we're not talking to <laughs> we're not doing nothing if the hair is not done don't call me I'm not going and and I don't even want to say it's like a, a little mini depression but it's like a a sadness or something where if we don't have our hair done we don't feel like ourselves I feel like that's also an insecurity um but yeah it's for um for black women biggest insecurity I'm gonna go back to the realm of being an imposter on the job Mm -hmm. So that may be part of it, like you said, especially if you're working in a space where you're the minority, like greatly. You may be the only African-American woman on the job or in that department or in that position, especially with the higher ups. Uh Uh-huh. So that may be a big insecurity, feeling like you have to, like you said, prove yourself or feeling like you're not enough. You're not getting invited to all the extra shindigs that are going on. That may be one of the biggest insecurities. And I mentioned that because African-American women are climbing the ladder when it comes to education. Absolutely. We are we on the top of the ladder. Yeah. So I would say for African-American women, that might be one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. What about men? What about our black men? Whew. African-American men. I think it's a lot for African-American men as well. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is finances. Mm-hmm. Um, a job. Yeah. And making sure that you can provide for yourself and whatever family that you have. I think that's a huge, huge insecurity in our community. And when Black men feel like they don't have the resources to provide or the finances to do what they need to do, it's it's almost like there's like a shutdown mode where they don't know what to do or how to to function after that Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's where you can see oftentimes where it turns into like a depression um, or an anxiety um, because of the lack of resources Mm -hmm. absolutely I'm gonna have to agree I don't have anything different to say there because I'm just running through my mind all of my guy friends uh-huh. And that's one of the biggest things that I see them. Their mood change, their attitude changes. Yeah. And shut down, like you said, don't know how to talk to anyone else about it. Yeah. It's associated with finances. Right. So that may be one of the biggest insecurities, I may say, for black men. Being a provider. Mm-hmm. And feeling like they can provide for their family may be one of their biggest insecurities. Even when they're doing it, they're working 
a hundred times harder to maintain it. I agree. So let's go into our second to last question, which it, it may uh, cause us to be a little hurt, but the question is, how do you manage to deal with your own personal insecurities? Dealing with personal insecurities. I'm gonna share one of mine growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, one of mine growing up was had to do with my skin tone being darker mm-hmm. complexion having a whole bunch of melanin. Uh-huh. For that when a lot of it stemmed from outside sources like bullying the children Mm -hmm. around me but I've learned to deal with that and I've learned throughout high school um, or so to deal with that being like that's a personal aspect of myself that I can't change yeah and looking at how it affects other things in my life like what does how does my skin tone change the person that I am? Right. It doesn't. I'm still beautiful. Mm-hmm. I still have all the accolades that I do. Speak on it. So it doesn't change, you know, who I am inside. And that's the way that I had to look at it. But I know that can be difficult for many people. Mm-hmm. So even... I've spread it to my nieces. Many of them are the exact same skin tone. So I've been very careful to spread that to them and saying to them, reminding them positive affirmations, you're beautiful, sending to them every time I talk to them and showing and communicating um, with them, you know, that people of our skin tone are just as beautiful as everyone else. So saying those things to myself and spreading them to other people because I'm one to really enjoy making other people feel good so that in turn makes me feel good when I make other people feel better so saying it out loud to myself and then sharing it to other people those positive affirmations that's really helped with my insecurity yeah that you should that you try to pass that on to your nieces the positive affirmations and make sure that they don't um, experience the same thing that you did around your complexion mm-hmm. so if I answer that same question um, this is also dealt with in childhood up to even, even now currently um, I am just socially anxious and and, mm-hmm. and awkward um, and so growing up I used to just hear people say um, she's standoffish or she stays to herself or she's weird because I just wasn't I wouldn't really like to go out of my bubble and talk to people um, very much so introverted and so I felt insecure about that because I felt more comfortable staying at my house I didn't want to go to nobody's house for a sleepover I want to stay at home and when I would get around my cousins and family members I used to get made fun of a little bit because of that Mm -hmm. 
and so I felt like something was wrong with me because I was so introverted I'm not really um, someone to just go out and start a conversation with someone um, and I've grown from that I'm not as introverted as I used to be but I'm st- I still consider myself an introvert so even today um, like currently at my at my job I've heard people say Raven always uh, go in her office and close the door or she don't really uh, talk to people too much but I'll say good morning how are you have a good day have a good weekend xyz but I'm still introvert I just like to be in my own space and so I find that that is something that I experience insecurity around because society tends to hold extroversion um people that are more outgoing um to be more personable Um, yes and I find that that doesn't make me less personable I just prefer more alone time than other people do Um, and I get really anxious when I have to make conversation with people that I'm not really familiar with um, or don't or don't spend a lot of time with Um, and so that's something that I'm insecure about and what I have done to manage that is um, I've started to to tell myself that it's okay to be introverted I don't have to be you know the life of the party I don't have to go out of my comfort zone as long as I'm not rude to people I say my good mornings my good afternoon have a good night be careful xyz I don't have to go outside of that to um to give people what they I guess may want or they expect and mm-hmm. once I started giving my, myself permission to be the introvert that I am and stay to myself the way that I like to, then I started feeling less insecure about it. Yeah, and that definitely takes some work. So our next question, mm-hmm. how can I overcome insecurities or help someone else to overcome insecurities? To help someone else overcome insecurities... I would say surround yourself with good people, people that you trust, people that will pour into you while you pour into them. Um, And for example, um, my birthday was last week and I was not going to post any pictures at all for my birthday because that's something that I'm insecure about. sometimes i'm glad you did <laughs> i was i was not gonna do it and lillian my line sister said she is not going to leave my house until i post something <laughs> <laughs> gotta uh, love them yes so you have to really surround yourself with people that care about you that may be able to identify your insecurity or you can share your insecurity with and that can that can make you feel more comfortable with it um, and and eventually maybe be able to work through it. So I definitely think it's important to acknowledge people when they share that they have an insecurity um, and, and just help them however you can, whatever that may look like. My tip for overcoming insecurities is to prepare. Mm-hmm. So I am a big preparer. I'm a big planner. Mm-hmm. All of that. So I'm, I'm going to say one of my biggest insecurities has to do also with part 
partially my personality and being introverted as well. Mm -hmm. So when I go into interviews, I know that most people are looking for someone or it is perceived that most people are looking for someone as that upgoing, outgoing, uh, uplifting personality. Somebody who talks, who is like a social butterfly, who can with the rest of the people at the office. Right. So I have to prepare myself for that 30-minute or hour interview. I have to prepare myself the night before, a week before, Mm -hmm. to go into that space. I know that I'm qualified for the job. I know that my work is proof for itself. I know that when I get there, I can go above and beyond the standards they they have set. Period. For that moment in that interview, I have to prepare myself and discuss those things that I may lack that confidence in, you know, talking in front of people or talking to a group of people because I've had many group interviews. Mm -hmm. So just preparing myself before going into that situation. So preparing myself before, whether it's, for example, a body image um, insecurity that you may have mm-hmm. and you have to go dress going out with the girls or going out for a very important event mm-hmm. prepare yourself before you go into that whether that may mean for you exercising whether that may mean talking those positive affirmations whether that may mean connecting with people who can give you that uplifting um, spirit those words of confidence and who can encourage you to go out there and present the best you that there is. So preparing and preparation is key and a little plan and it never hurt nobody. Period. And it won't ever hurt nobody. <laughs> uh, but yes, I agree with you. Definitely prepare in advance. It has never hurt nobody and it won't ever hurt nobody. But going into our takeaways from this episode burns what is um, a takeaway from this episode this conversation that you have had mine is that insecurities are common you are not alone even if other people around you won't admit it out loud there is something that they lack confidence about They may not even recognize that they lack that confidence or feel like they're not enough. But it is common. And if left untreated, undealt with, if left unacknowledged, Mm -hmm. it can cause depression and anxiety. So we're setting out to deal with and overcome those insecurities. Yeah. What's your takeaway? My takeaway would probably be our conversation that we had on um, the difference between low self-esteem and insecurity. I hadn't really thought about that before prior to our conversation. So I think it's important to be able to distinguish the two um, because as you mentioned before, low low self-esteem is more for the overall person and insecurities doesn't mean that you have low Mm self-esteem 
Um, so yeah, I just found that to be really interesting because I hadn't really given that any any thought prior to our conversation. Mm-hmm. So great takeaways. We want you guys to take away something as well. But before we get into this month's challenge, it's time for our accountability check. So last month we challenged our listeners to write a list of dating or relationship boundaries that you believe are important and to bring that list to your next date. We want to hear, did you do it? How did it work out for you? So if you haven't already, let us know. Yes, please let us know. And it is now the time for us to go into our challenge of the month for this episode. We want to challenge you to search deep within yourself and find an insecurity that you are currently dealing with and use one of the tips that we gave to begin your healing journey. If you can't find one, we know there's one you likely have already overcome. So please share that with us and how you are able to overcome it. Help us to help others. Inbox one of our social media pages at Melanated and Misguided and we'll anonymously share your work with others. We can't wait to hear how you are elevating your life. Yes. Yeah, send us those so we can, like Ray said, help us help others. So our next section, you guys know, is our recommendation of a local black therapist. So our therapist recommendation for this month is in Baltimore, Maryland. Miss mm-hmm. Brenda B. Wilson has her master's in counseling and is a licensed counselor. Specialized in treating anxiety, grief, women's issues, depression, anger management, life transitions, OCD, racial identity, and self-esteem. Brenda is licensed in Maryland. She offers in-office service, easily accessible from Baltimore, Cannesville, and Columbia, Maryland. And she also offers virtual to those all over Maryland. Hmm. She can be reached at 443-241-6759. Again, that's Brenda Wilson in Baltimore, Maryland. All right, so it is now time for us to wrap this episode up. We've come to the end of Session 8, Season 2. Thank you all again for listening to us this episode and for continuing with us on this journey. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with those that you love and care for. Don't forget to follow Medicine for Misguided on Facebook and Instagram at Melanated and Misguided and on Twitter at medicine for the mm so you won't miss out on our next episodes and until next time take care